Are you ready for the weekend yet? We have events, news, and a guest for you to enjoy this Lake Life weekend. Hello and welcome to another episode of Lake Life Weekend Podcast. I'm Dirk, I'm your host, and it is Memorial Day weekend. The traditional cabin opener, but it feels like April weather, end of May. It's a little sad, but we just heard in our last episode about the Becker County Museum. So if you are coming to Lake Country and you uh, don't know what to do on a rainy day, you can check out the museum. I think that's a really good place to start. Um, I hope actually that the weather will clear up and uh, it may even look like a good Saturday. Um, we still have not put the boat in yet, unfortunately. So we will try that this weekend, Harry and I. Um, today we have a program with Sally Hauskin, a beautiful story where she made a childhood memories to be her yeah, life's mission. And she founded the Greater Sucker Creek Preserve uh, just east of Big Detroit. Um, if you leave town to Perham on Highway 10, there's a sign. And uh, Oscar and I, we go there regularly. And it's a beautiful place, nice trails. Um, I've been there with Harry too. There's actually two parts. You will learn all about that from our uh, guest today, Sally. So uh, stay tuned for that. Um, if you want to know what else is happening this weekend in Lakes Country, please go to lakelifeweekend.com with our daily updated event schedule, some news, and uh, yeah, all that. Feel free to email us any question that you may have to hello at lakelifeweekend.com. And uh, please also follow us on Facebook and Instagram for regular updates. Um, area and and so on yeah thank you for listening thanks for tuning in i don't want to keep this any longer you have a great weekend ahead and enjoy our interview with Sally. thank you welcome to our interview part uh, i'm here with sally Haskin. hi sally hi thank you for coming and uh, sally is the founder um of Sucker Creek Preserve. Greater Sucker Creek. Very good. Sorry. Greater Sucker Creek. Greater Sucker Creek. Yep, there's two parcels, the preserve and upstream. Right. Before we go into detail of the properties and what we can find, uh, what species and flowers and wildlife, um, I would like to know a little bit uh, more about uh, who is Sally, uh, where is she from, how did you come to the Detroit Lakes area, and then we merge into how you came up with the idea to found this preserve and, um, and what it was all about. So how did you come to Detroit Lakes? Uh, th th actually, uh, as, a, as an infant, okay. uh, I was from Wapaton, North Dakota. Oh. And uh, when I was first born, my great aunt has a cottage or had a cottage on Big Detroit Lake. And we were the poor relation. So uh, once in a while, uh, that is most Saturdays <laughs> in the summertime, we would drive from Wapaton to Detroit Lake and stay at my 
Great Aunt's Cottage. And that was a wonderful experience that uh, stood me well through the years. I've done it all my life. When the waves were great on the lake, I couldn't, I couldn't play in the water and I was uh, saddened. And so my folks in, took me over across the road and up a hill and into uh, woods, which uh, is now Sucker Creek. Okay, okay. It was a very narrow uh, trout fisherman's path to get in there, and I would walk through as a little child. And one time, and we had to go across this bog. And one time, I lost a shoe in the bog because in the bog it always went to to walk in, and so I had to go back and get put on this muddy shoe. But then there was, you walked a ways farther through the poison ivy and stuff and you got to the stream. And that was, that was my magic place huh. from little childhood on. So, okay, so you literally have been here all your life and, and your childhood memories made you create the preserve. That's right. Before we fast forward uh, to that, what did you do between childhood and foundation of the preserve? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, lots of stuff. I, w I went to college in Chicago area, wow. and then I went to San Francisco for a year and a half, and I'm a swimmer, so I swam on a Uh, water ballet team amateur while I was in San Francisco. Then I, I came back and I went with the U.S. Army and went to Germany and was stationed in Bavaria mm -hmm. for two and a half years. <laughs> yeah, we and just then I came time. back and I, I saw that the GIs didn't necessarily adjust well to being in in the Army. So when I got back, I went to the University of Colorado and ended up uh, taking graduate studies for counseling. Okay. So for 30 years, I was a counselor at different places. The, the last place was in the suburb of the Twin Cities. So you had a long journey uh, until you arrived back. Yeah, until I retired. That's right. That's right. So how long have you been back or settled in Detroit Lakes? Hmm. Long time. A <laughs> <laughs> long time. I started uh, the, the creek thing. The issue came up. Well, I, I got the land in 2001. Okay. But I had to go through a lot of fundraising and applying for a grant and so forth. And that started in 1999. Okay. So it was two years before we got the land. And that was the land just for the preserve, not for upstream. Okay. So 20 years ago... You yep. initiated yep. the process. Well, yes. 
uh, as I was driving my car out of my driveway one day, a neighbor stopped me and he said, you see that hill up there? And he was talking about across the road and into what is now the preserve. And he said, this is gonna be upscale homes and they're gonna get a beautiful view of Detroit Lake and it's gonna be one, it's gonna be like the Minnetonka of the North. And I quietly said, I've often thought that, but haven't wanted to believe it. So then I started to look at who owned the land, because then I, I was scared. Because okay. this would be, if that got to be private homes, that would take away my magic place. And I wasn't gonna have it taken away so easy. So I found out who owned it, and I called them, and I said, hey, I want to buy your land. And they said, how much of it do you want? They had it all plotted off, but they hadn't listed it. And I said, I want all of it. And there was a silence, and we decided to get back together, and we hung up. And then I panicked wondering where I was gonna get the money to buy that. And unbeknown to me, they panicked because they'd never had anybody say they wanted all of it. <laughs> so that's how it got started. Interesting. Did you become good friends? Yeah, with w this was a party of three okay. gentlemen. Uh, very professional. Uh, and I was not in a position to be professionally as acute as they were in something like this. Okay. So I had to enlist the help, and I found out about environmental agencies in a great big hurry because I was looking for money. Yeah. And I finally, for the first one, I finally found out there was a, a grant through the DNR, but the money came from the Minnesota legislature, mm -hmm. and it was for acquiring land. So I filled out a grant application for $92,000 from them, and then I had to raise another $92,000. Um, that was a uh, little hard. Okay. <laughs> Nobody knew me, see, because I had been working in the Twin Cities, so nobody was familiar with the name. Why should they give money to that, see? Uh, but uh, I finally went to somebody who was comfortable with money and who was supportive of what I wanted to do. And they started the ball rolling with some, uh, with a sizable chunk of money. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So you were able to to raise uh, 92,000 and then you... <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't easy, it wasn't easy. Well, um, a professor at grad school and I think this is a point well worth taking, said to me, uh, and he was referring to something else, you know, I was in grad school at the time, but he said, bleed the data dry. 
And when you apply for a grant, you jolly well better have your ducks in a row with what you're putting in there. Because if you're too general, you're not going to get it. So I took that to heart. And where I got stuck on questions in the grant application, I'd go over to the DNR and I'd say, hey, I need some help on filling in this. Or I'd go to U.S. Fish and Wildlife and say, hey, I need some help at filling in this. When I submitted the grant, that thing was really, I had bled the data dry. And we got the grant. Huh. Yeah, fascinating. So that was 2001? Uh, I, I, yes, yes. But I, I went through, I had to, uh, like I said, I contacted many environmental agencies. And one that took over the negotiating, because I didn't know how to do it, was the Trust for Public Land. Mm-hmm. And they, they excluded me from their conferences with the owners. I don't care. I want to get the, <laughs> I don't know, I want to get the land. So they, they properly did it, and the rest is history. We got it. Huh. So you purchased the, the all the parcels? No, like, no, 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 no I, just the preserve. The preserve? Yeah, that was 61.24 acres. Mm -hmm. And then right away, we got one lot on the south side of the creek. Now, all of this that I'm talking about was on the north side of the creek. Mm -hmm. But then we got one one lot on the south side of the creek, and that was... That was an incidental, I just kind of worked that. And then it was uh, some years later that the opportunity came to buy upstream. The stream is there in the preserve, but there's no source of water. That meant we couldn't get along indefinitely, oh. you know, without, if somebody else bought the source of water, you know, Coca-Cola uh, was a possibility, and I heard it rumored, and I I wouldn't have, you know, that would have been the end, the end. But um, I had an opportunity some years later to buy the mineral springs that were across the road. By this time, in 2008, the people of Minnesota were asked to vote on a three-eighths of a cent increase in their uh, sales tax. And one quarter of that was for conservation, and one-eighth uh, was for uh, arts and culture. Mm -hmm. And the, now 2008 was a time of recession. Things were not good. Darned if it didn't pass. So that meant a lot more money was available for conservation. And it was at that time that I, uh, I heard from the party that owned it, uh, asking if I was interested. And so I... Uh, here again, I filled in a, uh, what do you call that, uh, for, for 
draft, not draft, I forget the word, grant, Mm -hmm. grant application for $495,000. And this time, and we got it with ease, but you see, I had gotten two other grants prior to that. Oh, wow. Because once we acquired that preserve land, then we needed to apply for another grant in order to restore it. I see. And the second grant was for $60,000. And that's where, if you walk through Greater Sucker Creek, you'll see beautiful signs explaining all kinds of stuff, eco-regions and glacial history and uh, birds and water processes and native plant communities and fish families and insect families. Let's talk a little bit more detail because I know the trails. So we have a paved, like first of all, we have somewhat of a parking area, like a roundabout kind of, and uh, two of them. And then we can uh, take some steps down on a paved uh, uh, walk. Uh, and that actually leads to an auditorium area. Uh, Yeah, amphitheater. I'm sorry about that, amphitheater. And then through the woods, there's um, trail. Yeah, they're called unimproved paths. And in fact, tomorrow morning, I'm tied up doing, uh, I'm not doing the mulching, but I'm, I'm, I'm there supervising it. Oh, they're putting mulch on the unimproved on Yeah, the yeah, yeah. We do that every year. There, mm-hmm. There's uh, the, the Detroit Lakes High School has what they call a day of caring, mm-hmm. and they send students out. They Students have the, they don't go to school. Mm-hmm. Well, they do go to school, but then they fan out to different homes to do cleanup, lawn cleanup. Mm-hmm. And we have uh, 10 or 15 young men who will come uh, run wheelbarrows, shovel mulch, and add mulch to the unimproved paths. It it more clearly uh, displays paths. So you walk in there and, oh, this is a path because there's nice mulch on it. Right. Otherwise, people might be ambling thither and yon, and we need to protect the vegetation okay. in there, not to mention the animals. So let's touch on... What is all hidden in the preserve, uh, from flower to, to to animals, plants? What what is there all to find? Uh, initially, there were yellow lady slippers. I I was told there were Minnesota state flower, but I've never seen them. And to tell you the truth, I don't look for them because I don't want to know. If they're there, I don't want to know. But we had yellow lady slippers, but. There are thieves, and uh, and they seem to have disappeared. I'm sorry about that. Uh, but we, I, I want to say that I, I raised an awful lot of money in total, nine hundred and fifty thousand wow. dollars when I quit counting, and I'm sure it's over a million now. But I think the people who gave and there are hundreds of them listed on the boards mm-hmm. there. I think the people who gave have a feeling of ownership. And I request, because I clean up the trash at the preserve, I ask that people take their trash with them mm-hmm. so, so I don't have to clean it up. And I think many of the people who gave 
are stewards enough that they do that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, we have the two circular park lots, one at the preserve and one at upstream, mm -hmm. farther on down. Uh, in the, as for uh, fauna, I would say we have fox, we have coyotes, we have raccoons, we have skunk, well, of course we have deer, we have uh, wild turkeys show up once in a while. Um, what else? Fisher, did I say? Uh, of course there are, <laughs> the, the squirrels are pretty much uh, uh, prey for uh, bald eagles or raptor, other raptors mm -hmm. who come there as well. Mm -hmm. We have a prairie on each parcel, and the prairie uh, we have seeded to native prairie plants, mm -hmm. uh, grasses and forbs. Forbs are wildflowers. Uh, grasses, big blue stem and little blue stem. This is what the pioneers saw when they were initially crossing the, the central plains. There was little blue stem grass and there was big blue stem. And big blue stem grows about five, six feet tall. Really? So it's very tall, but we've got a lot of it in the, in the prairie in the, in the preserve. Now, and upstream, we're, we're trying to improve the soil into that in the, in the prairie part of upstream. And to that end, we have planted soybeans. A farmer has planted soybeans. Soybeans fix nitrogen in the soil. Uh -huh. So uh, over about a three-year period, the nitrogen will have built up, and then we hope to seed it to native plants again. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So um, the the prairie and I guess the shrub, the trees, they're all shelter for all sorts of animals. Oh, sure. And um, uh, I have not seen a fox there yet, but uh, um, it's 62 acres plus upstream, oh, so there's a yeah, lot yeah, of yeah, wildlife. Yeah, the, the uh, excuse me, the, the original preserve was 61.24. Then I got that little uh, lot three on the south side of the creek. So that brought it to 64.24. Then the land across the street, it's uh, the Mineral Springs, Mineral Springs is uh, 52.7. Oh. Yeah, the total is 117 acre, acres of natural woods and prairie. Okay. You mentioned the mineral springs a couple times now, and you also mentioned Coca-Cola. Uh, I actually heard a story. So th this is mineral water that actually could be bottled and could be drinkable? Well, no. I don't know. Oh. I, I'm not in a position to respond to yeah. that. No, it's interesting because in Germany we have a lot of mineral water, you know, like there's Gerolsteiner yeah. or there's towns, uh, even if Evian or like San Pellegrino, all those water that we drink from France or Italy. Uh, these are townships that actually have a mineral spring. Yes. And and it's 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 a healthy water. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I was always um, kind of missing 
especially in a state like Minnesota where we are blessed with water, why we don't have mineral water from somewhere that we drink. It's just like a European heritage that I carry and yeah, yeah. Not, not the filtered uh, fountain or tap water. We don't drink that at all in Germany or Europe for some reason. Uh, I get my water from the from the market. Okay. I, they've got water there and and I get it there. But uh, that that land is our land now and and mineral rights are included. Okay, so it uh, is really of quality. It's quality water, let's put it this way. It is a mini watershed. Okay. It's, it's not any bigger than two miles long. The mineral springs it upstream, and then the little romantic little uh, sucker creek going, and then it, it at uh, its mouth is at not far uh, on Big Detroit Lake. That's what I thought. That's mm -hmm, what I thought. Mm -hmm. And the water, uh, we have had this this event, which Steve Fody, chemistry teacher at the high school, has managed to put together with me. I call it a city-school partnership mm -hmm. because the city, i.e. me, uh, have uh, an account, a single account, that is to be used for education only. Mm -hmm. The donor insists on it being used for education. Uh, to, and so we, we do that, and Steve has come up with kids ultimately going in the creek to test the water mm -hmm. two times a year. He has a semester chemistry class. So in the fall, he does it one time with 110 kids. Mm -hmm. And in the spring, he's got a new batch of kids, so we do it again. The problem that the students have to solve is, should there be a housing development at Sucker Creek, or should, there, should this be a natural woods and prairie? We don't necessarily tell the kids that it's a done deal. So the kids don't really know. They, you know, some of them might think that it, it could turn into a housing development. In any event, they have to go through different things. They hear a forum that is a pretend group of city council people, and they hear the pros and cons of which would be better to, to have. Then they do the in the creek testing and they are also, and they're taught by professional scientists. Professional scientists are given the day to come and speak to these kids in oh. the creek. Oh. So, so we get uh, entomologists who are, that's bugs, uh -huh. entomologists, and we, uh, Donna Dustin and um, Mariah Roofer are two, and we have several scientists who can do the water quality, the turbidity tube and second disc stuff. Huh. Uh, that is like a real case study, yeah? Like uh, they, they create a... Yes. Like, a oh, absolutely. At the end of this, it, it's a three-week assignment. He's got a number of things for the kids that they have to learn how to post data. And first they have to learn it in the classroom 
and then he takes them out to to outdoors to to do it too so that they have to learn how to post the data as well as collect it wow wow so um it is a very educational place yeah yeah uh, yeah and then uh, at the very end he has the kids vote on which would they prefer now we just did this a week ago tomorrow mm-hmm. so the the vote is been taken but i don't know what it is okay, okay. so i'm yeah. sorry i can't get uh in the past we've been doing this since 2017 now mm-hmm. twice a year and in the past the pros for keeping in the natural woods are about 87 percent thank goodness <laughs> yeah good um so we have all kinds of signage uh, for the visitor to to read um, on this. It's an ecosystem, correct? I mean, yes. it's a whole. Uh, yes. So so I can go there with my children and actually take something home. I learn something. I get uh, I get educated on on what Absolutely. the forest is about. Uh, Absolutely. The, uh, so I was always curious about uh, the amphitheater. Um, is there a program? Uh, is, is is there ever like an event or? Well, it can be, yeah. Has yeah. there been uh, some more like? Is well, it we had uh, uh, just to give you the the prime example in two thousand six. Mm-hmm. It didn't open until two thousand six mm-hmm. because we had a lot of work to do. There was a lot of uh, a lot of work to do with heavy equipment and so forth. But in two thousand six, it opened. And we hired a speaker of children, mm-hmm. and he presented uh, environmental stories. Mm-hmm. And we had all the kids. I think I think it was third grade. We had all the kids in Detroit Lake Schools who were in third grade come, and it took us a few days to do that. I think it was three days. Wow! So they came. You know, few classrooms at a time mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and um, has there ever been like a concert or like some sort of a theater oh. play or anything a couple of churches mm-hmm. have had uh, have had their nice. services there a oh, uh, few people have wanted to get married there the oh. problem is and the preserve the grant was so tight that we cannot have, there There can be nothing else there. If I wanted a picnic table or something, the answer is no. Okay. Uh, we can't have, uh, I call them satellites for bathrooms. Uh, we, we can't have that in the preserve. Okay. It's tight. It's got to be, it's a natural area for animals and uh, flora. Ah, okay, I see. In woods and flora. Okay. And uh, how long are the trails? Like, is it three miles or four miles? Because that's quite a Yeah, quite a yeah, hike. yeah, yeah. I, I really don't know. Okay. But I do have a person who does know, but I don't know. Yeah, I know. I, I walk it with Oscar here, um, um, and it's uh, the loop takes me 
at least 15 minutes. Uh, now, are you talking about a, using the handicapped accessible path? Um, I go down to the amphitheater and then I go back through the woods, but I haven't gone that big loop yet. I mean, there's more trails to what? be explored that I How have about upstream? Did you go across the road to upstream? I have been there uh, a year ago, uh, and to the there's a water bridge or something, right? Um, or like a well, floating. The, yeah, we got uh, we have three marsh walks, two in the oh, upstream, and the one in uh, the preserve. Oh, there's a marsh walk in there too. In, there's in the one in the preserve. Okay. And there are two in the upstream. Okay. I have not found all of them yet. Okay. Uh, the one one of the ones in upstream. We purposely made a bump out, what we call a bump out, on the metal marsh walk mm -hmm. so that handicapped people could wheelchair in there and from that bump out, trout fish. Oh, really? Yeah. So there's and trout it, it's a It's a designated trout stream. The DNR does stock it and now we stock it from upstream because we own upstream. Okay. Before, we didn't. We we stocked it from the stream itself before okay. we got upstream. Right. But upstream has, of course, the very freshest water right. coming out of the ground. Huh. So, sorry. Um, with um, this project uh, that is not only preserving nature and fauna and flora. It's also preserving uh, childhood memories, maybe a little bit. Yeah. So. Absolutely. 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 So. What, Absolutely. So what? People say to me, "What? What made you work so hard on this?" I said, "There was no work involved. There wasn't any work involved. I wanted to. to I wanted to make sure that my my wonderful place stayed there." It wasn't work. Yeah. So it's pure joy, yeah? It's just fulfilling you. That's right. That's right. And the win-win I get are people that come and like it. And I have yet to meet anybody who doesn't like it. One party complained that I didn't have the handicapped accessible paths swept clean of, of uh, grasses. Grasses. Um, and I said, no. I'm not going to do it, and I'll tell you why. When we first opened that, there were some kids who liked to skateboard in there. And one group was skateboarding, and a girl got ahead of them skateboarding, and she fell. And she was hurt badly. I believe she even had to get uh, taken to Fargo. So. I am anxious for that to be a safe walk. And people can walk around the the grasses, you know, they're not they're not hiding the path. It it's it's firm. So so that's where I'm at with that. Right. So it's protecting actually of future accidents possibly. So misuse of the environment. Yeah. 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 It. It w the, yeah. Yeah. No, I think it's a it's a very nice uh, heritage that you leave 
behind, I guess, and uh, Leg- legacy. Legacy, yeah, yeah, right. I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, one thing I would say about the uh, preserve prairie. Uh, originally, very originally, when the white man before the white man came, that was all one parcel of woodland. Mm-hmm. So we call that prairie in the preserve a scar on the landscape. And to that end, we are allowing the forest to reclaim it. So down the road, you'll notice there's an occasional tree showing up. Yeah. And I know, I know what they are, and I, I know about it, I'm quite aware, and that's what we want to have happen. So ultimately, that will be more uh, woodland. Woodland, yeah. Right. But But now not so with upstream. Upstream, th- that area is going to be prairie. We're going to plant it to native prairie grasses and forbs. Okay, okay, yeah. So uh, do you think, I um, mean, obviously, you just answered my question, you're not done yet because the scar is going to become woodland again, but is there I'm, any... I'm, I'm never done. <laughs> I mean, I'm never done. <laughs> There's always something, always something. So you... Tomorrow we're having the day of caring. So I just, I just uh, worked with the city guys on getting a couple more wheelbarrows. Yeah. Uh, the, there's always something. Yeah. So it, it will still be growing in a way, not growing in size, but in maintaining and the prairie is coming. Anything else that you have maybe planned for in, in a few years that you want to add? Is there anything else to come? Like a, I don't know, a platform where an overlook or like a bird watching station or I don't know? Uh, I would say w- we, w- we definitely want to keep uh, construction out. And of course, uh, they, they, they uh, for, uh, solar wanted to come in there. Some solar wanted to come in on upstream. Mm-hmm. And the way the grant is worded, it can't. Mm-hmm. But for example, any intensive construction around that site would threaten the quality of water. Okay. And right now we have exceptional good quality water. Mm-hmm. Uh, for example, one of the things that the invertebrate scientists found was an invertebrate that frequents only the cleanest water. So uh, Mariah Roofer sent that information down to the cities to report it because that was exceptional to find that one little invertebrate that wanted the cleanest water. See, if we get uh, too much construction around there, uh, that water will, um, I, I tremble for what might happen. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, of course. So it's a preserve. You protect. It's the only goal. Yeah. Greater Sucker Creek. Greater Sucker Creek Preserve. Yeah. Yes. Wow. Did I? Is there anything else you wanted to point out or share? Uh, anything 
else like um, butterflies, uh, uh, bees? Like, I mean, how do you know how many species? Like, a hundred and thirteen different species, or like? Oh no, I don't know any of that <laughs> stuff. I but I, I do want to put in a plug for the climate. Uh -huh. uh, there is uh, that's that's uh, that's past arguing about. There is climate change. There is uh, warming of the climate. There was a new UN report that just came out yesterday that predicted we'd lose a million species uh, in a short period of time unless we take better care of the environment. Uh, of the environment, right. I am doing my best for that. I feel strongly about it. If, there are two things that if we lose, man cannot live on this planet. One is water. We've got to have good quality water on the planet. Mm -hmm. The other is what we call biodiversity. I wish people would quit planting maple trees. Biodiversity means having lots of different plants. There are lots of different trees. There's hackberry and there's uh, hickory and there's uh, lots of different kinds of oak trees. Uh, so many, there's uh, pin cherry, there's uh, juneberry, there's, uh, I mean, just on and on and on. Ein Mischwald, yeah? Did you hear that? A Mischwald. Yeah. I don't know, we have a term for that. It's a mixed forest. Yes. And Mischwald, a yeah. little bit of uh, evergreen, a little bit of oak, a little bit of pine. I don't know what it all is. Castanian uh, uh, Ironwood. Now, that's mm -hmm. a very common uh, native tree here. Mm -hmm. It likes, it, it is uh, under a canopy. It doesn't want to grow to a great big tree. Mm -hmm. To me, I don't understand why people don't plant that in their homes, mm -hmm. uh, at their homes, and they, they don't, and I, I don't get it. But anyhow, there's also Ohio Buckeye, which has a pretty conical flower on it in the spring that the uh, cedar waxwings love. They come and eat the petals. Mm -hmm. uh, there's, uh, oh my, I just have, there's nanny berry, there's, uh, uh, downy arrowwood. There's uh, that's viburnums. Uh, anytime you meet up with a viburnum plant, you know it's a probably a pretty good plant. I have several different kinds of viburnum in my yard. Another thing is red twig dogwood. Why aren't there any red twig dogwoods in people's yard? They're a very common, and in fact, the red twig dogwood is circumpolar. It grows all around the pole. Mm -hmm. It grows, I can go to Norway, it's there. If you'd go to Russia, it's there. A little quirk in that, but uh, it's there, uh, and, and it's here. Mm -hmm. And then that isn't the only, pagoda dogwood is a lovely one. If you wanted something outside your kitchen window that you could look outside but people couldn't see in, uh, pagoda dogwood is a very lovely plant. Gray dogwood, uh, you know, on it goes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, I think uh, we learned a lot and also I feel people are not planting enough in their yards. It's always just a plain little field of grass, very sad. But uh, I think we're opening another complete 
topic. I if, hope so. <laughs> I hope they will change that. Um, if people want to help you, uh, you take donations, yeah? So yeah. people can contact. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, the account at the city is called the Sucker Creek Preserve account because we started it before I ever got upstream. Ah, okay. So, so, uh, so one can contact the city of Detroit Lakes and make a deposit, a Absolutely. Donation? Sucker Creek, just write the check to Sucker Creek Preserve account at the city. Uh-huh. And the city's on Roosevelt Avenue mm -hmm. in, in Detroit Lakes. Yeah, close by the Central Market area. Right, there. right, Kitty Corner. Kitty Corner from that. Mm -hmm. um, okay, I did not know that. So it is that easy. So if people want to help uh, and, and, and keep right. preserving. And, and uh, that would be very nice. And also very nice is if you go there, please take your trash <laughs> back out with you. Yeah. And stay on the paths. There are, there are handicapped accessible paths. Those are asphalt crushed bit. And there are also the unimproved paths, the mulch paths. Stay on them, please. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> well, thank you very much for coming, Sally. And uh, thank you for sharing the story. And uh, I Thank you for having me. Yes, I hope I invite everybody to go and enjoy uh, your uh, magical place. And yeah. um, then maybe leave a little donation at the city. Thank you very much and yeah. uh, happy spring. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. It's a busy one. <laughs> yeah, this was already our uh, newest episode of the Lake Life Weekend podcast. We sure hope you enjoyed it. Uh, tune in again next week with another great guest and updates. Always check out our website, uh, lakelifeweekend.com. And if you have some comments, please feel free to email us at hello at lakelifeweekend.com. And uh, you have a wonderful weekend ahead. Uh -huh.